Hello, everyone, and welcome to Police Off the Cuff, Real Crime Stories. I'm your host, retired NYPD Sergeant Bill Cannon, a 27-year veteran of the NYPD. You know, folks, when we covered the story, of course, in San Bernardino under that horrible tragedy in the, in the desert, uh, we called it rather early that we felt that it was uh, it involved drugs right away. And then as we're learning more and more about the San Bernardino area and how prevalent what they refer to as marijuana grows, how prevalent that is, it was amazing to me and baffling to me that the press didn't uh, understand what was going on very early. Uh, for days and days and days, they were reporting this as basically no information, and they were baffled by this. This was a mystery. But this area has a huge problem with, they refer to as marijuana grows, which are illegal marijuana fields, underground fields, uh, hothouses filled with marijuana. And the Sheriff Dykus went over how many search warrants they had uh, done, over 400 in a 365-day period in 2023, and the amount of marijuana they had seized, and the amount of money, I believe it was over $360 million was seized. So in, under that playing field and, and realizing how profitable the illicit marijuana trade is, we're going to discuss tonight Proposition 64, which is a law that was enacted in 2016 that made marijuana legal in the state of California. And that's fine. Everyone here, I don't think anyone has a problem with people uh, smoking marijuana or medicinal marijuana or whatever they're using it for. But it's really not a, a drug that is harmless or has harmless side effects or unintended, let's put it this way, unintended casualties to the marijuana trade. And we'll get into what some of those unintended uh, problems are and what can be done about it and how in these situations it seems that legislators never check in with law enforcement and to say, oh, what should we do here? And they just do it and it creates some big problems. And then they're like, oh, well, they'll never, it seems like they'll never undo legislation because that's almost admitting that you you failed, that you it was a loser. So they'll live with the problem and it gets piled onto law enforcement and law enforcement has enough problems to deal with. Anyway, we're going to get into that tonight, the danger in the desert. Uh, Illegal marijuana grows in uh, San Bernardino Desert. And we're going to talk about that and some of the problems that it's risen. So hold on to your seats, guys. Get ready to enter real crime, true crime from a police perspective. And, of course, off the cuff. And you're entering the police off the cuff zone. There has to be some common sense. Yes, sir, they have the car stopped in Tampa Ranch, Michael We still don't know who pulled the trigger. So joining me tonight is retired NYPD Sergeant, Professor of Criminal Justice at Albertus Magnus College in Connecticut, attorney, and yes, I'm talking about Professor Michael Geary. Mike, welcome to the show. Hey, Billy. Good evening. Good to see you, and welcome everyone to the show. You know, Mike, I'm glad you're joining me tonight, or else I would have to take on this whole assignment all by myself because... Phil's not available tonight, and, you know, sometimes when we have the, the dynamic three, it's a little easier than the dynamic two. 
And it's even more difficult when it's just me, the dynamic one, you know, doing right. this. I don't know how I just gave myself that name, but uh, or, or both of us. Anyway, Mike, let's talk a little bit about, you know, everyone, it seems, I, and I'm not going to say everyone because it, nothing is everyone. But with the legalization of marijuana, many states have enacted it, California being one. However, there were some unanticipated problems with the legalization of marijuana. And we're going to get into that now. And I wanted to ask you about specifically in California, they call it Proposition 64. Right. Yeah, Proposition 64 was California's own state attempt to um, legalize recreational marijuana. It didn't apply to like cartels or anything like that. It applied to individual people who wanted to use marijuana, you know, in, for recreation, or maybe they wanted it for um, medicinal purposes, for glaucoma or cancer or something like that to alleviate some pain. And, uh, you know, a lot of people didn't have a problem with that. However, and they thought the goal was, A, that, you know, you would have legal dispensing of marijuana through, you know, uh, storefronts, and these people would be regular business people, and they would pay taxes. So there'd be tremendous tax revenue coming in. State of California thought it would add a billion dollars to the coffers. Um, however, like all other social experiments, there's some good effects and there's some bad effects. As you said, Billy, you know, there's some good effects, but there's those, the law of unintended consequences. All the times that you think something good is going to happen out of some out of some proposition or some public, uh, you know, project, there's always going to be the things that in hindsight, you go, oh, my God, I didn't see that. It's happened. And uh, so it started in 2016. Uh, it was a voter referendum in California which is really terrific because it really gives the voters, not just the politicians, um, you know, the thought about what we should do. And it won not by a landslide. It was a 57 point, like five to like 42.5 margin. But, um, and it's been in existence now for, um, since 2016 and under the law, it uh, specifically, it, um, it, it decriminalizes the recreational use of marijuana. Um, and residents can actually harvest and be kind of like, uh, have like six plants, just a few plants you'd have in your backyard, whatever it is, you know, that sort of thing. You can give people, which would normally be a sale under the old laws, you can give people marijuana a certain amount. And, and part of what they wanted to do with this was to uh, not only decriminalize it and take away the stigma of being arrested for this, but they would wipe the slate clean for many people who had previous convictions that may, and, and these convictions for narcotic offenses uh, may have hurt them finding a job. And it would take away the stigma for juveniles who had been arrested so they wouldn't enter the workforce and, and come of age and uh, not be saddled by a previous conviction for, a, you know, marijuana. Great goals, Bill, but, um, you know, it just did not work out the way everybody planned. Some people it helped, but a lot of people it hurt. You know, Mike, I, I, I haven't been in New York City uh, in a while, um, but people tell me that when you walk around the streets of the city, all you do is smell weed all over the place. And one of the questions, of course, and in, in Proposition 64 in California is that the employees cannot be fired for a drug test, for a positive marijuana drug test. However, they, and I don't know how they test for this, they're allowed to recre recreationally use it when they're not working, but right. they're not supposed to come into work, of course, high. Right. Now, how is that, how it, is it to police that? And I use the word police it because human resources people or supervisors or people in a, in a, that are in an employment a boss capacity, how can they enforce that? Now, we also recognize that there's certain professions, of course, there is still drug tests, and they can sure. fired, probably police, uh, fire, op fire department, operators of heavy equipment, operators of common carriers, trains, planes, automobiles, yeah. things like that, right. doctors, uh, nurses, uh, things like that. 
still, I think, are subjected to right. random drug tests. Yeah, Billy, by decriminalizing, you know, the possession, the use, or even giving, um, um, you know, use for yourself and then also giving to some other per people, you decriminalize that. Therefore, you know, having the marijuana, smoking it, using it, it's not illegal. So if somebody's a secretary in an office, somebody's a bank teller, um, they could actually use marijuana before they come to work. They're probably not going to be allowed to use it actually while they're working, but they have, may have some effects from it. Maybe they go out for lunch and uh, on their lunch break, they smoke marijuana. Um, and this is what, you know, police have talked about. If you do these sorts of things without consulting what the effects would be on the public, you know, you end up with these terrible problems of people driving around high, buzzed, figuring they can beat a, a uh, an alcohol breathalyzer test because it won't, you know, the marijuana in their system won't show up. But it so th therefore you can decriminalize something for some people and that's wonderful and people could maybe use marijuana without penalty. But on the other side of it is you're allowing people to get high and they're, now you take it to, as you say, business. Human resources is going to have a hell of a problem. What happens if you have people who are actually uh, working in sales uh, and, you know, doing working with the public and they're high? Um, they're not. It's like to me, it's like the same as being uh, slightly tipsy and not sober. You know, they're not going to be at their best in their job. And if they engage in any behavior that may be the result of being buzzed or high, um, including driving, if say they, they people, people have a, a company car, if they're buzzed and they get into an accident, you know, it's just, it would be considered really the same as being drunk and driving. Um, there is so many problems. It opens up a huge can of worms that perhaps the, the politicians seeking re-election and some votes and some popular press, you know, they don't have to deal with the problems. The police have to deal with those problems right. on the street. Absolutely. You know, that's it. According uh, to the NBCI team in uh, in. San Bernardino. In the summer of 2021, the I-team toured the high desert by helicopter with the San Bernardino County Sheriff's Department and spotted greenhouse after greenhouse, and you see a picture of that on the screen, that law enforcement said housed illegal marijuana grows both big and small. From the air and on the ground, the Sheriff's Marijuana Enforcement Teams, or MET, are busy trying to eradicate these illicit operations. It's painstaking work, spanning hundreds of thousands of acres. Armed with search warrants, bulletproof vests, and clippers, the Met targeted eight different illegal grows on the day that this NBC uh, I team shadowed their operation. Deputies chopped down plants in all stages of development and estimated those brought to maturity could be worth $1,000 apiece. San Bernardino County Sheriff Shannon Dykus spoke about the recent work of the Mets. We've unleashed a plague in California, and the plague is the black market of marijuana and certainly cartel activity. So we weren't making that up when we brought it up the last time. Many people said, oh, it's 150 miles from the border. Well, cartels have cars. They have planes. They have helicopters. They have boats. They can travel. This is fertile land for them to cultivate marijuana and to get cheap labor and sell illicit marijuana. In the last year, the marijuana enforcement teams served a total of 411 search warrants for illegal marijuana grows. And we're taking just a 365-day period, said Sheriff Dykus. They discovered 14 honey labs, recovered 655,000 marijuana plants, 74,000 pounds of processed marijuana, and 370 million dollars during that period of time this black market is big business with new illicit operations sprouting daily deputies told uh the nbci team scouts in the area spread word about the sweeps and we encountered only one person on site the day we followed along so they were being tipped off about these sweeps uh the i team spotted the drilling of illegal wells endangering the already limited 
desert water supply along with open chemical pits, dangerous pesticides, and the illegal trucking of water. So these are some of the unintended casualties of the illegal drug trade. And again, California has a problem with water, you know? And here's these illegal marijuana farms uh, drilling into the ground and, and, and taking the water supply from other agricultural uh, needs in the desert and growing an illicit product and undercutting the government in price because guess what? Theirs is not subject to a 15% tax. Mike? Yeah, Billy, th- they unleashed, this is a self-imposed, you know, shooting yourself in the foot scenario. They, they were sold to the people of California and um, unfortunately it passed. It was sold as a bill of goods. We were we we're going to be more enlightened towards marijuana. We were going to make a like may, perhaps they projected. And this is how they sold it. There's going to be a billion dollars in tax money coming into our coffers that'll help keep your taxes lower because we're going to make money off of this. There's we, we're taking out the profit incentive for people to uh, sell marijuana on the street. We're going to have people sell it legally. And we're going to be taxed on it. It'll be like a storefront, a mom and pop storefront. And we're going to make a lot of money. We won't have to spend money on police overtime doing drug sweeps all over the place and putting people in, in jail and ruining their, their lives and their future for, uh, for a sale. Um, no, that's how it was sold. But it's a joke. It's, just, it's hurting. It's destroying the land out there. Um, with the chemicals and the illegal wells and lowering the ability to, to use the water other places. Remember, that area of California, they don't have water. It all has to come in, you know, like probably 80% of the water comes in from Nevada. And you know how many issues they've had over the past like decade with the lowering levels of water um, in who, like Hoover Dam, all that area. And it gets that, that water in Nevada supplies like four different states. And now you're going to have these clowns coming in and tapping into it. Then they're using electricity, a lot of electricity, because you got to have these hothouses and they got to be covered and um, they're using those. And so you're really not saving in law enforcement, A. B, you're not saving, uh, you're not getting tax money because you're getting some, but nowhere near a billion. There's nothing the government can do that could undercut um, private industry. And these guys will sell the marijuana as cheaply as they can to the public. They'll cut out, cut the legs out from underneath perhaps real law-abiding people selling marijuana according to the law because they can probably sell it 33% cheaper. And so therefore, yeah, it's turned into, it's a self-imposed shoot yourself in the foot scenario. It's a nightmare for the people of California. Lady Guinevere from the chat uh, me and my dog got a contact high tonight when we went to pick up my husband up from work. Person driving beside me was blazing up. A cloud of MJ floating out the window and into mine. You know, uh, Lady Guinevere, I can appreciate that. When sometimes in our work as police, we'd have to go into uh, drug apartments. And I remember one time I went to this apartment that had about, I don't know, 15 or 20 pounds of weed in it. And we all felt like we got a contact high. So we all had to get exposure numbers right because we get drug tested so if we got tested the next day there was a potential that we had marijuana in our system so we all got what's called an exposure number so that if we get did get tested we could explain it no we weren't smoking we just got a contact high from being in an apartment with about 15 pounds in it and uh um jeff m from the chat, these illegal row operations will definitely harm the surrounding environment and the ecosystem. No doubt, you know, yeah. but they don't figure this stuff out until it's too late. You know, it's 14,000 square feet. KTLA Shelby Nelson live in San Bernardino, where officials spoke to the public about the bust. Shelby. That's right. Officials say that the marijuana found in this operation is valued at anywhere from four and a half to nine million dollars. Now, out of the 11 people who have been charged, five of them have been arrested. The other six are still outstanding. What we're talking about here is massive scale, illegal, counterfeit, bootleg 
uh, conduct that's having a tremendous effect on the environment uh, for our residents in the in the rural counties. A massive underground illegal marijuana grow operation and the largest ever discovered in San Bernardino County. The district attorney and sheriff both speaking at a news conference detailing the charges filed against 11 people allegedly involved. Back on March 3rd, authorities served a search warrant at a property in Newberry Springs. As deputies searched inside a red Conex box. Deputies discovered that the floor opened and they were able to descend into an underground bunker. The discovery, more than 30 of those boxes, several feet underground, spanning about 14,000 square feet and with more than 6,000 marijuana plants inside. The problem is, is that when you have these massive industrial illegal grows, is what you're doing is you're putting unfair competition on an industry that's trying to be regulated. The San Bernardino County District Attorney Jason Anderson says it's becoming harder to crack down after marijuana was legalized in California. This time they're taking a different approach to prosecute those involved. What we're really targeting is the landowners because once we can say that these properties are known to contain a nuisance, we're going to take the property. So far, five people have been arrested. Two of them who are the landowners face a number of charges, including conspiracy to commit a crime. Authorities say the reward has become greater. You know, Mike, I just want to mention something for folks that are listening and uh, watching. The landowners in this were Chinese. So Chinese people are coming over here, buying up the land in this country and then leasing the land to illegal marijuana growers. But I can't imagine the rent they get for it. But oh. That is what is destroying our country. And when we mentioned this, the last show, oh, this has nothing to do with the cartels. This has nothing to do with the border. Oh, really? Man. How did these people get in from China by land in San Bernardino uh, Desert, lease the land to illegal marijuana growers, and probably run it extremely efficiently? This is something that will destroy our country. Billy, the stuff that they're doing, you know, we've seen this. You've seen this in Manhattan, and I've seen it in the Bronx. You know, the, the this is a serious industry. This isn't just like, well, people are going to get high. We're all going to like be like love children from the '60s. No, this is a cutthroat, ruthless business. These people are serious. They don't care if they destroy the environment. They don't care if they destroy the water. They don't care what they do. It is all about the money, and they are just as ruthless as as people dealing in cocaine you've got these marijuana cowboys coming in and they're they're illegal they've been here in the united states and all they're doing is engaging in criminal activity of one sort or another in this case it's marijuana the landowners know what's going on and by the time you go to court and the district attorney seizes that property um you know it's uh, the cure that the that the, it's put forth by the district attorney is going to be a long time in coming. You know, what are you going to do? Try to seize every single parcel of land in San Bernardino County that's privately owned when a small area could house, you know, thousands of marijuana plants. Um, you know, we're not talking about a cornfield that's, you know, a thousand acres. In, in Nebraska, you could have a small plot of just a few acres or even an acre. So it's it's it can be very hidden, very much hidden. And it's it's a it, it, it sadly it's it was sold to the public as a bill of goods and the public is paying the price for it. One hundred percent. And, you know, someone just uh, in the chat said uh uh, Beaver Forden, uh, C-A-B, I hope I'm saying your name right, Bever, Bever Forden, uh, is a high school teacher. Uh, and I'll put it up on the screen. As, as high school teachers, we walk into clouds of marijuana periodically. And, you know, I taught college for 10 and a half years, and Mike still does. Sometimes I would go into my class, I could smell the weed from some on people. people's breath that had just smoked outside and, you know, it's really not a good way to go through your education uh, to go through a class high, but uh, it, it was it was, and maybe they maybe they felt they had to be high to come to my class. I don't know, <laughs> but uh, I tried to keep them laughing, you know. But it was yeah, it's it, it is an epidemic even in that way. Than the risk for criminals and continues to be a danger to residents and the community. I've had deputies pass by these areas in Newberry Springs and had rounds go through their front window. And not because they knew it was the cops, 
simply because they knew that someone was getting too close to their investment. Okay, so uh, Shelby, what are the consequences for some of these people? Yeah, well, it really depends on the person and the charges that they are facing. But when the district attorney's office was asked that, they say for one, if not more of these people, they could face a maximum of just over four years. Now, back to one of those people in this case, the property owner, Sheng Lin, he had owned the property and the district, or excuse me, the sheriff's department had uh, conducted a search warrant back in August of 2020. Now, when they did that, they allegedly found several hundred of those marijuana plants on his property. He resold that property and allegedly just continued on with that illegal activity. So right now, that's the biggest challenge is for the district attorney and the sheriff's department to really implement these consequences for these people who they say are just repeat offenders. You know, Mike, one of the things I've noticed, there are some states where the governors of the states have refused to allow their land to be purchased by Chinese nationals. Right. Uh, yeah. Because they've been buying up farmland also to try somehow, and I don't know if it's the great conspiracy, but to buy up American farmland. And I don't know specifically what their purposes are for that, but that could give the Chinese a stranglehold on our food in our own country. Our food supply. Our food supply. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They uh, also, I think one of the biggest exports we have to, uh, to uh, China is beans. And because uh, it's cheap source of protein and a lot of our, our farmers, you know, that that's a huge cash crop for them. And we, we have developed beans that are much um, easier to be uh, raised, harvested and last longer and actually are more nutritious. And so there's there was, there was I saw a special on TV about this where the Chinese are trying to use the get our beans, bring them to China and try to figure out going backwards, you know, figure out re retroactively how the beans reverse got engineer it. Yeah. Thank you. That's the term. That's the term. Yeah. Exactly. Reverse engineer it. And it's like, and so maybe they're buying up land here to see how we do things. How do we get the, the crops that we get? How do we get the yield that we get? How do we get the crops that are, uh, you know, insect and, uh, free, you know, and last longer. Yeah. And, uh, it's very, very scary. And when you hear that they're buying up land near, uh, uh, you know, defense installations around the country, you know, it's a concern. It's a real concern for people. 100%. Yeah. And of course, it leads to this. This is Sheriff Dykus, uh, that they recently, of course, had that, what they refer to now is the massacre so uh, in the desert. Kind of give you a little bit of backup and talk a little bit about the region and what we've experienced out there in that region. So, <clears throat> And, and one thing that hasn't been mentioned yet, we need to remember that even looks like maybe the victims might have been involved in some level of criminal activity in this. We still need to all, always acknowledge the human perspective of this. And there are true victims in this. And as a result of what's going on in that area, to answer your question, in the last year, our marijuana enforcement teams, they served a total of 411 search warrant for illegal marijuana grows. And this is, we're just talking a 365-day period. Um, discovered 14 honey oil labs, recovered 655,000 marijuana plants, 74,000 pounds of processed marijuana, and $370 million. During that period of time, our team served 11 search warrants in the immediate area where the murders took place. And they served approximately 40 search warrants to the west of that area that we call the Shadow Mountain area. So this is an area known for illicit marijuana. Does that help you a little bit? Okay. Any other questions? Yes. Yes, absolutely. And this was related to illicit marijuana. For all intents and purposes, it looks like illicit marijuana was the driving force behind these murders. And that's all we really know at this point. And I, I think we need to acknowledge really, you know, why we're here and why are we talking about illicit marijuana? And as you said, this is legal in the state of California. The reality is, is Proposition 64 in the fine print took illicit marijuana and moved it from a felony to a misdemeanor. And the reality of this is, is by allowing that, we've unleashed a plague in this California. And the plague is the black market of marijuana and certainly cartel activity and a number of victims that are out there. And it's certainly my hope, I'm seeing a number of legislators change Prop 47 and some things we're concerned about. I hope they take the same view of Prop 64 and change this 
so they give law enforcement a fighting chance to put some teeth into this law and to take back and prevent a number of these homicides and other things that we see occurring. So if we don't fix that, we're going to continue to do this. I gave you stats for just the past year, but prior to that, thousands of marijuana grows that we've taken out in partnership with the Bureau of Cannabis Control, with partnership with our other state partners and federal partners. But right now, folks, we have gotten a much better control over this. But it's it's interesting. I just read a, an article that was produced back in 2020 in Cal Matters and what the supporters were saying about Prop 64. And it said it would bring the state's booming, unregulated recreational marijuana under the rule of law and protect consumers in the environment. And it's recognition of decades of prohibition against aggressive informant, uh, enforcement in criminal laws that don't work. That's false, 100%. Our environment, we prize our environment in this state. You go look at our deserts. It's hoop house trash that's left over. A very small water source that's available to the public has been tapped into. Look at that's this law through the lens of this case and all the statistics that I gave you. And then please research the other counties across the state of California. They have the exact same problems. We need to prevent these types of senseless murders from happening and we can do it and we have it in our power. We just need to make an adjustment. The police are not going after people who are smoking marijuana recreationally. It's illicit marijuana and everything that Prop 64 was promised may possibly occur if we could just simply make that adjustment and change the way that we handle illicit marijuana in this state. Rob? Rob, yes, it is. And look, based on our training experience, all of you hired experts that have also been talking about this case until we got to this point of the press conference. Based on our training and experience, we believe a lot of these things are occurring that are maybe related to much bigger things going on. The reality is, is factually at this point of the case, I can't tell you that, but it certainly looks um, like it has a lot of the, the modeling of cartel cases and things of that nature. Mike, can you answer that, please? Yes, uh, we can say at this point that that was. You know, one of the things just to we'll get back to the uh, to, of course, uh, the, the murders. And uh, these are the five individuals who were arrested for the uh, murders of the six people in the desert. Um, it seems like many people do not want to use the word cartel or organized crime or illegals or uh, the border problems. And it, that's what this is. That is the reality. That is what this is. And you notice, I think this sheriff is very brave. He speaks right out and says, look, this is the nature of this problem. Yes, it's organized crime. Yes, it probably is cartel related. They don't have specifics right now. But in directly or indirectly, it's related to the cartel trade. I'm sure these uh, five individuals on the screen, Antonio Baez Duarte, Mateo Baez Duarte, brothers, Jose Nicolas Hernandez Sarabia, Jose Gregorio Hernandez Sarabia, two more brothers, Jose Manuel Burgos Para. I'm sure not a single one of them is a citizen of this country. So they're coming into our country to commit crime. And and commit in this case six murders, and Billy, what are we doing about it, Billy? If people aren't willing to just look this in the face and call it what it is, if you're not willing to acknowledge that there's a problem, then you're not going to solve it. It becomes ideology over common sense. That's what Proposition 64 was all about, and the sheriff called it out. It's ideology. We're going to make the world a better place for people to use marijuana so they can get it. And so we could regulate the unregulated marijuana trade and uh, bring it into compliance with, with good st standards and reduce the uh, effects of marijuana use uh, in the criminal justice system. That's nice. Okay. That's ideology. But the common sense, the cop can tell you the moment you decriminalize something, it, it, you unleash other forces that you're not even thinking about. And, um, you know, there's way too much money in the marijuana trade for there not to be violence and murder. It's just way too much money. You know, uh, in organized crime, there's people get killed 
uh, gamblers get killed. People, uh, pimps get killed. Um, drug runners get killed. I've seen people killed for losing one kilo of cocaine. Their life isn't even worth one kilo of cocaine that could that could uh, that would sell wholesale for about forty thousand um, dollars. You know, you get truckloads of marijuana. That's worth a lot more. And people's lives aren't worth that much. So there's a lot of violence that is endemic to the marijuana trade that people don't want to even acknowledge exists. And that's the sad part. That is very sad. Folks, this is Police Off the Cuff, real crime stories. If you like real crime, true crime from a police perspective, then you're in the right place. And if you're not subscribed to us, go on to YouTube, hit that subscribe button. Hit the like button, share us with your friends and your family, and number one, subscribe. And if you want to contribute to us financially, we have a Patreon with three different levels, and we also have a YouTube channel membership with, count them, five different levels, and that's true crime, real crime from a police perspective. Yeah, I think this sheriff is brave. And, when you know, before I knew about before we covered this story, I didn't know that much about San Bernardino, California. And in the days after this, uh, this, these six murders in the desert, it seemed like the press was ignorant to everything. Like, like there had been no past. There had been no experience right. with things like this. And they were, they were reporting for the first few days, like, we are baffled by this. This is such a mystery. And we we said right away, no, this is drug-related. This is a drug hit, or this is a drug deal gone bad. Because whenever you see unbridled violence, such as we saw in this case, you can bet it is drug-related. It is drug deal. And the fact that they set four or five of the bodies on fire, that's all you needed to know. But yet the press waited like five or six days until the police announced an arrest to say, oh, it was a marijuana deal gone bad. And initially the police put out there that the way they were notified of this was a wellness call, which was total nonsense. And we called that too. We said there was no wellness call. If someone called, the person that called either knew about these people going into the desert to do this deal and they never came home and they made a call. However, what actually happened was one of the victims who got shot, he called prior to, prior to dying. He called, and that's how they triangulated his cell phone. They flew a helicopter right over to the area and discovered the crime scene. Billy, let's look at the crime scene. You know, you've seen this stuff. Phil and I have seen this stuff. You look at this crime scene. You've got two vehicles there. There's bullet holes all over the place. It looks like some sort of, you know, uh, like Scarface movie. And, you know, it's just something you'd see out of uh, like Breaking Bad. There's all these people dead in the desert. You got vehicles there. You got it, when they, there was one picture I saw with all the little uh, evidence markers where all the bullet shells were. And it looked like uh, like a scene out of uh, some sort of why it was a wild shootout. And, there, you know, you're looking at that going, yeah, yeah, this had to be narcotics. Who would use this much firepower to wipe out these people other than competing, you know, uh, drug gang, organized crime, whatever you want to call it, drug cartel. It's all the same idea. That's who. Um, anybody that had any other thoughts that other than that, I, I don't know what they were thinking. You know, the other thing was, Mike, I have no doubt, and the police haven't said this yet, that this was a gun fight. Yeah. And one team lost big time, mm -hmm. you know, to the tune of six individuals were killed. But if someone was going into the desert to uh, do this drug deal, they were not going in unarmed. They That's were right. armed too, except they were probably outgunned by this, this team of, uh, you know, desperados, I, I guess you could call them. We're going to try to pull that picture up here again. This team right here. You know, they were much better armed than their victims. Uh, yeah. And again, they're two two sets of brothers, and uh, you know, they're they're in the trade. They're in the marijuana grow trade, and it's a violent business. And no doubt, the victims. And again, 
it's it's a tragedy they lost their lives but i think that people that go into the drug trade they know the risks involved mm -hmm. and they know that they are risking their lives in order to do that type of work so uh it's hard for me seeing what i've seen in my police career to be sympathetic when something like this happens when they fully understand the risks Right. I know there was another question. Brian, go ahead. Yeah. This appeared to be a, a scheduled meetup, and so what was supposed to happen, or, or does this look more like an ambush? Brian, maybe all of the above, based on evidence we're looking at. But again, once the DA's office reviews this, and it's certainly my hope after we get through the preliminary um, hearing and a number of things, we'll be able to give it uh, a little bit more information to the group with specificity. That I'm not sure of. Do we know, Mike? So a couple of the people that we identified in terms of the, the victims may be um, nationally from Honduras. We're not able to, we're working with the consulate right now to make that determination. We're not sure. Um, the suspects were uh, arrested on, uh, I would describe it as a compound. It was close to uh, a grow that was being formed, but wasn't active yet. Um, a lot of the, the areas that we were dealing with were adjacent to marijuana grows, but the search warrants themselves, none of them were hit at a grow site. Um, not at this point in the investigation. We're still working through all that. Just five are I believe the five that we have are the five responsible for the crime. I don't think there's anybody else who we would say is responsible for the crime out there. As best you can, you immediately got leads. What what were these leads, and what was the motivation from from whoever was calling you down? I would love to be able to speak to that, but really that's definitely part of the investigation that the DA is going to have to review. And that's part of the, the ultimate adjudication of this that we need. And it's really, we can't release that type of information right now. Sheriff, I have another follow-up question for you. I, I feel like, and correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like there's two things we're all going to do with the people, but how many other murders were going on because of the illegal grows in your area? So I... Just speaking to San Bernardino County, now obviously anytime you have mass, six people um, that are murdered, I mean, that's shocking to your conscience, let's be honest. But I can tell you that since we've been investigating illegal marijuana grows, a number of body dumps and things have been related to this across our county. And to give you an exact number, I'm sorry I don't have that, but it isn't an anomaly. The anomaly here is the amount of people that were murdered, of course, and, and this is a problem. And this is a problem that's not really being talked about. You're hearing from. Uh... So, you know, th this, I, I, I love this sheriff. He, he's, he's right on. He doesn't uh, pull punches. And, you know, the district attorney obviously doesn't want a lot of information going out there because this is ongoing organized crime. Right. This is undoubtedly related to cartels. This is undoubtedly related to illegals crossing the border. All right. Those five, those five individuals, he didn't say. He just said we're checking, but they're Honduran nationals, so they're not. They're not here illegally. All right, they're waiting to go back to get their visa. You know, right. if, if you believe that, I'll sell you a bridge in Brooklyn. You know, but this is a problem we have in this country, and you know, all the time when we report on this, I always have someone in the chat going, "Don't get political." How could we report on this without getting pol political? This is a horrific issue. They, our country is not defending the border. People are pouring past the border every single day. And this, this six murders is part and parcel to that policy. Billy, there's just too much money in the trade here for people not to come, especially with an open border. Um, people have risked their lives in the past trying to get here. But when we actually had... Uh, enforcement. We our, our uh, border patrol agents are clerks. They didn't sign up for the job to be a clerk. 
they and giving people a pass to say come back in two years and you'll get your uh your 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 hearing you're hearing yeah yeah you're hearing right like they're going to come back um this is the drug trade we talked about uh savannah soto remember matthew guerra and yes. san antonio and people were shocked and upset that a pregnant woman could be could be shot well this is the drug trade this is the life you lead the life these people are leading the life and they know it's a lot of cash but it's also a lot of danger um these guys that got killed they you know they may have done some really nasty things themselves in the past and you live the life of a warrior you die you live by the shield you know, the sword you die by the sword um i feel sorry for their families uh but for them you and I have seen uh, what what the narcotics trade in New York City could do to people, uh, getting shot to death all over the place, and the the terror that people have to live with in their neighborhoods. Um, this is a plague, and uh, this is how it is played out. So if this shocks people, I'm glad for it. It needs to be shocking to people, and they need to realize there are severe consequences to how they vote. When you vote for this sort of thing, this is what you get. You know, Mike, it seems that police in some of these border cities, they got to almost be like the army. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, that's how dangerous their job is. And they're coming up against weaponry that we used to see in New York City in the 90s. You right. know, uh, and the weaponry, these guys, I think they took eight guns off that scene. And I would be interested to know how many guns were inside the vehicles of right. the people that were killed, because surely this was a gunfight. This was not a one-sided, uh, you know, them getting shot. There was a gunfight at this location. That's why I said at a number of um, times in us covering the case, I'd love to know the different types of shell casings that were recovered on the scene, which would be indicative of several different weapons. Uh, being fired. Uh, so, yeah, l- let me just play a little bit of this and then. Hoping to deal a striking blow to these illegal marijuana grows have really exploded in desert communities. Christina Gonzalez giving us the inside look at the dangerous operation you'll see only on Fox 11. Yes, search warrant. Yeah. San Bernardino County Sheriff serving search warrants at illegal marijuana grow houses in desert communities near Barstow. Hidden behind reinforced fences and tall sand berms, there are structures packed with marijuana plants and processed product. How much does this go for? $1,000 a pound once it gets back east, uh, triples in value. San Bernardino County has seen an explosion of illegal grows, especially in desert communities like Newberry Springs. 1,205 known illegal cultivations, and my best estimate is probably at least at least another 1,000 that we're not aware of yet. Investigators saying the illegal grows are run by cartels from Mexico, even China, who bring in workers illegally across the border. He's coming out. This group, originally from Laos, say they came from Wisconsin a week ago. You had to find a job. <laughs> what did they tell you about this job? Um, for trimming and stuff. She says she just got here before dawn from Sacramento. She's from the Dominican Republic, and he is from Mexico. There is no other field work, he echoes the others. The conditions some of these field people are living in are horrendous. You can see the outside. Follow me in here. Now, I wish you could smell this because it's the smell of urine. It's the smell of decay. And take a look in here. This is where these people are living at. You got to remember that for a lot of these people, the situation that they may be coming from, this is a better, a better life for them. But life is getting worse for the residents in these communities where some are moving out and those staying say they are afraid. They walk around with guns to intimidate the local the local folks here. Local farmers growing legal crops like this Pisacho field next to one of the grow houses are suffering as their water is taken with non-permitted wells tapping into the local water sources. Electricity 
That's also stolen in dangerously rigged up setups with cables running all over. Now, if the plants have enough buds and they're ready to harvest, they actually have to cut everything down and take it with them. Four warrants later, deputies seize almost 4,000 plants and over 1,000 pounds of processed product valued at almost $3 million. They also arrest 14 people who are cited for misdemeanors. A pet peeve for San Bernardino Sheriff Shannon Dykus. With Prop 64, it took cult illegal, not legal, illegal cultivation from a felony to a misdemeanor. And when you have a $500 fine and on some of these, we call them plywood grows, the small ones, they make a million dollars, um, the fine is negligible. So we're working with the county. We're talking about a per plant ordinance in terms of a fine and, and hit people in the pocketbook to drive this out of our county. In San Unbelievable, right? It's like, how many times does does government uh, make law enforcement's job so much harder because of bad law, bad legislation, uh, bad decisions. And once, as I said, once they pass it, they'll never fix it because that no. takes too much work for them. No, yeah. let's let, well, let, just let law enforcement deal with this. And it would have to be an admission that they made a mistake and no one's going to admit that they made a mistake. You know, you see the, uh, you see the no cash bail in New York and or we had the George Floyd race riots in New York. And then you see uh, people being arrested and let out after like an hour while the riot is still going on. They're arrested and they're just released. And you wonder why they're going on, why these riots are going on. Well, there's nothing to stop them. We've pretty much decriminalized criminal conduct. The moment you take something like robbery, burglary, assault, you drop it from a misdemeanor to a, a felony to a misdemeanor, you've now, as a, as a politician, have now put a target on every single person and every single establishment, every single uh, shops, uh, you know, stores um, on their back. And because the people can go in there wilding, grabbing, assaulting people and grabbing things, and they know nothing's going to happen to them. And this is what you do. These decisions are made. At a very high level, I'm just shocked that the people, in this case, the people of uh, California, fell for it. They fell for the bill of goods that was sold to them, sadly. You know, it's really sad. It is very sad. Let me play a little bit of this here. If it'll play. Having a problem to solve, remove it from the screen. It's not playing right now. Um, here we go, recreational pot, but that doesn't mean the black market is dead, and investors overseas are taking notice. My next guest writes in Politico: "Quote: Chinese investors, owners, and workers have emerged in recent years as a new source of funding and labor for illegal marijuana production." Let's bring in Natalie Fertig. She's a federal cannabis policy reporter for Politico. So when did we start to see this boom in Chinese-funded marijuana farms? Growing in the last few years, Oklahoma is currently the uh, the core of this uh, this growth that we're seeing, but it's also existed in small amounts in California and Oregon for potentially decades. There's a lot of questions, though, I want to be clear about where this is all coming from, about who exactly is involved in this, and about how far up the chain this goes in terms of does the Chinese Communist Party actually know that this is happening or not. And why go into the illegal uh, part of the business since you could, you could be legit? you actually have to be an Oklahoma resident in order to get a license in Oklahoma. So that may pose a problem for someone who is coming very recently from China, which could be happening. So amazing, right? So showing that the, the Chinese are coming here to set up, and probably they finance the illegal marijuana growers, or as we said earlier, they own the land, they lease the land. Right. And they also bring workers in uh to work through this this the marijuana trade it's just it's all comes back to the border right 
And this is the result of the border. It's the result of California's pie in the sky idea that they're going to uh, right a social wrong in, and make marijuana, you know, pretend marijuana is like uh, uh, marijuana is like the marijuana trade is like cigarettes, you know, and it's it's, you know, and there's not going to be any sort of illegal criminal activity. Really? All right. You know, and this is what you get. And there's no going back. There's no politician that'll say, we got to correct this. Um, the the uh, San Bernardino Sheriff, Sheriff Dyke, he's like, all we want, one of the most important things is to change the the proposition from uh, the part about the changing, uh, d downgrading it from a felony to a misdemeanor or change the, the, the penalty part from $500 for, for one instance to $500 like per plant, not big changes. You can still have some of the pie in the sky idea, but actually make it work for everyone and take the burden off law enforcement that can't, that cannot uh, keep up with, with this industry because it's so profitable and it takes so long to prosecute these cases. And, and uh, there's really no incentive for the Chinese or people coming across the border not to do this. As the reporter said, um, these people here in, in America living in these farms and all their, this is really slave labor, indentured servitude, but it's better than what they had. There's no disincentive for them to do this. It's all incentive for them to do it. And it's our Absolutely. own fault. Folks, if you're looking for a great attorney in the New York metropolitan area, then Joe Murray is your man. Joe's a retired NYPD police officer who is now an attorney. You can reach Joe on his cell phone at 718-514-3855. Email him at joe at jmurray-law.com. Or go on his website, jmurray-law.com. Not only is Joe a fantastic attorney, but he's a huge supporter of the Police Off the Cuff podcast. And we really appreciate Joe uh, supporting our podcast and everything he's done uh, for this podcast. 2021, the I-Team toured the high desert by helicopter with the San Bernardino County Sheriff's Department. This is just so Greenhouse after greenhouse with what law enforcement say are illegal marijuana grows big and small. From the air and on the ground, the Sheriff's Marijuana Enforcement Teams, or METs, are busy trying to eradicate these illicit operations. It's painstaking work spanning hundreds of thousands of acres. Armed with search warrants, bulletproof vests and clippers, the MET targeted eight different illegal grows on the day the NBC4i team shadowed their operation. I'm five foot eight, so that gives you a sense of how tall these plants are. And if brought to maturity, each one would be worth about $1,000. And you can see there are hundreds in this one greenhouse. In the last year, our marijuana enforcement teams, they served a total of 411 search warrant for illegal marijuana grows. And this is, we're just talking a 365 day period. Um, discovered 14 honey oil labs, recovered 655,000 marijuana plants, 74,000 pounds of processed marijuana, and $370 million. It's big business with new illicit operations sprouting daily. Deputies told us scouts in the area spread word about the sweeps. We encountered only one person on site. I was just working, is what this man told deputies. But tending in illegal grow is just a misdemeanor with a fine of only $500. We spotted the drilling of illegal wells, endangering the already limited desert water supply, open chemical pits, dangerous pesticides, and the illegal trucking of water. The majority of people that I have stopped driving these vehicles have, have either not been licensed at all or not had the proper license to drive the vehicle. You'll recall this deadly accident in Victorville that killed three girls walking on the side of the road. The hit-and-run driver, believed by many in the community to be connected to an illegal grow. And the latest murders in Adelanto are not the first deadly attacks connected to illegal marijuana. In the fall of 2020, seven people were murdered in Iguanga in what deputies described as an illegal grow and processing operation. That crime remains unsolved. We've unleashed a plague in this California, and the plague is... The plague is the illegal marijuana trade. Market. 
of marijuana and certainly cartel activity. Voters approved legalizing pot in California with Proposition 64, but it also downgraded illegal cultivation from a felony to a misdemeanor. There's really no difference between six plants and a thousand. Six thousand a million. It's all the same. It's just a misdemeanor in California. In fact, in the six other Western states that have legalized recreational marijuana, illegal cultivation remains a felony with serious fines and jail time. Long illegal cultivation. I guess they don't want you stealing that water, right? Right. Um, if California's lax rules draw a dangerous element to places like the high desert. One of our neighbors got shot at only because they were picking up trash on their property that came from an illegal grove. Now, that neighbor did not want to be identified back in 2021 because he was worried about what could happen to him and his family. But I spoke with him this morning, and he says the Lucerne Valley has seen market improvement thanks to the sheriff's marijuana enforcement teams. He credits San Bernardino County Supervisor. Good. Unbelievable. So, but this, getting back to what, when we first started reporting on this case, when they did have the six murders in the desert, you know, the, didn't the news knew all about this? <laughs> Yet they reported what they reported. I'm like baffled by that. You know, they knew this was going on. Yet they were like just mystery. You're like, well, how did? Is it me, Mike, or is, is that ridiculous? It's ridiculous because. They know they're not stupid. They're deliberately not saying it's tied to the marijuana trade. They don't want to say it. They can't stand to face the optics and say, yeah, we brought this on ourselves as voters here in California. The people may have been misled about the fine print, as the sheriff said, about downgrading illegal uh, cultivation from a felony to a misdemeanor, you know, the fines being only $500 for an entire plant, uh, whether you have a million marijuana plants or one, if it's illegal, it's illegal. We're going to charge you $500. You might as well have a million plants. Why would you only have one? Right. Um, you know, they don't want to use the term. This is silliness that we can't, they, they, they are, they are, self-policing and making sure that they don't use any terms or give the public any idea that and that they know better that this is actually a marijuana uh you know organization uh, or uh, marijuana industry uh crime they didn't want to do it they can't do it and that's misleading the public and that's disingenuous and they ought to be ashamed of themselves for that absolutely uh, from the chat, Roe C, just joining but have known about the cartel infiltrating Northern Cali, where a lot of weed is grown, and I believe it's when illicit fentanyl started to put into it. Can only trust dispensary weed. Well, uh, <laughs> that's people don't want to pay for dispensary weed because it's 15% more with the tax. But uh, yeah, uh, Janine Dove, this is crazy. I live in Washington, so I know what it's like. But California... That's bad. In Washington, it's a felony. Should be. Fuzzy Doxy, woke news. Yeah, they just don't want to report the truth, you know, and that's disturbing because, you know, uh, the news is supposed to shine the spotlight on bad things that are happening. And if they don't do their job, uh, we're not getting a good indication of what's going on. So, Mike, that's going to be our, our report for this okay. evening. And we want to sort of tie that into just show the preamble to this, that this has been an ongoing problem in San Bernardino deserts for years. That's right. why it's so baffling to me that the news didn't report early on what they this could have been, and they just don't want to report it, you know? Yeah. And uh, I don't want to dwell on that because no. we reported it, what we thought it was, and uh, it's going to continue unless they change the laws here. Your final thoughts, uh, yeah, Billy. As uh, as we saw in the video, as the video, one the one gentleman who had talked to the reporter saying there has been progress made in San Bernardino County. There had been progress made because he was he felt that the the uh, eradication program by the uh, by the uh, sheriff was uh, was uh, effective. This is the kind of partnerships you can have, and this is kind of the effect you can have if if you've got strict law enforcement. You have eager, uh, you know, law enforcement. You've got the public support behind you, and you do it. 
and uh, you can and uh, with a few changes of law you could help but it, it has to be a, a partnership between the politicians it's got uh, the, the public and, and uh, law enforcement and if it happens you can actually have a pretty good maybe working functioning uh, you know safe marijuana law like they actually probably originally intended in 2016 but uh, you know whenever you get these propositions that are sold to the public for anyone out there if you ever in your state have that sort of thing read the fine print very carefully to make sure you know what you're voting for 100 percent, folks uh we're, we're like 62 from uh 60 thousands so we need 62 subscribers to hit 60 thousand so if you're not subscribed you have the incentive you want to be the, one of the people that uh make us go to 60,000 and past that because that's our goal for 2024 to reach over 100,000. I think we could do it. We're catching on. We got the wind behind the sails. So thank you guys for tuning in tonight. I'm Bill Cannon from Police Off the Cuff. Have a great night and God bless. Good evening, everyone. One episode, just